Welcome to the fifth episode of the Legal 500 podcast. I remain David Burgess, Publishing Director of the Legal 500, and you've joined us for the second part of my conversation with law firm marketing and business development gurus, Deborah Ferrone and Yolanda Cartusiello. In the first part, we discussed what marketing and BD professionals should be doing in the current environment, and now we set our sights on the partners and their expectations. We also touch a little on the role of the Legal Marketing Association and how innovation will or won't continue in a recession. So without further ado, let's jump back into the conversation. Now, obviously, in in the, the Legal 500, the podcast that we're doing, and by the way, I, I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, when we're talking about marketing and business development professionals. Um, I think the is, is it the, ter- the term allied professionals is quite often quite often used. I just wanted to make it very clear that if I ever hear the word non-lawyer uh, mentioned, I'm, I'm going to ban everybody because we've certainly banned that word from Legal 500. We think it's disrespectful and doesn't show the skill set of people. I know there's a there's a slight and I've actually heard lawyers argue well, what's wrong with it. You know, it's it's, a, it's it's the legal profession and it's made lawyers are the, are the partners and the owners. So therefore, if you're not one, you're a non lawyer. Let me just tell you, it's very, very disrespectful for all your staff. If there are any lawyers listening out there, and actually it's the lawyers I want to talk, you know, refer to now, because obviously a lot will be listening. So if you're a partner at a law firm, what is it that you want from your marketing and business development teams right now? What can they be doing better? I think they want direction. I think what Yolanda was saying is absolutely right. They are looking for leadership um, and they want to know what they should be doing because they are in a state of panic. Even the most secure partner at a law firm has to be wondering what's going to happen to my practice, what's going to happen to my firm, what's going to happen to my compensation. I have bills to pay, I have kids to send to college, maybe just virtually, but I have kids to send to college. They're going to be worried about all those things. And I think they are going to be looking for guidance. In general, I think the guidance falls into three areas. You know, one is staying close to your clients, what we've been talking about. The second is trying to forecast what's going to happen in the future. And there are ways of doing that, but they really need to be strategic and have plans. It might not be a five-year strategic plan. It might just be a five-month or a two-year plan. And then they need to start executing on those things. So I think partners are really looking for guidance, and it's a great time to be a CMO as far as I'm concerned. I think, you know, as a marketing person, you can innovate and you can really stretch yourself by learning, you know, new skills and making solid suggestions. Deborah, I, I couldn't agree more. Generally, to get people to change, you need to make them uncomfortable. So the good news for a CMO is that the lawyers are already uncomfortable. I mean, it's bad news at the same time, but, but the good news is they're already open to information and suggestions and advice and guidance. And so what lawyers should be looking to their marketing and business development teams for is everything that Deborah said. And I'll, I'll add one thing, which is honesty. I think that if you you may you may be listening and you may be at the rarefied air of the few firms that will do even better in this kind of a situation than they have done before um, but that is very few and very far between you know the unemployment rate is real um, that will affect everybody it will affect your clients it will affect your clients clients it's affecting every single sector in the economy 
And to think that you're going to preserve income in the way that you have in the past is most likely for most firms untrue. And so I think the, the honesty that someone can bring when they're giving you that strategy, the strategy of raising rates is ridiculous, right? I mean, we'd all agree to that. The strategy for some firms to not even have conversations or to have a huge pushback on clients that are asking for discounts, I think is, you know, it's fraught. Maybe for some firms, it's just fine. I think for most, it's probably not. And it's, you're probably, I would put that in the category of not listening. And so you need to be really honest. And, and I think lawyers should be open to that honesty. They should be looking for honest advice about what kinds of things they should be doing to preserve relationships, not income. I mean, it's, it's interesting that, you know, a couple of times you've mentioned innovation when we've been talking. When I was in New York in January, uh, February, I think it was, we were at Legal Week. And there was a panel that Deborah actually uh, moderated. And one of the things I think I asked the question because it was, you know, the, the room was relatively quiet and someone always needs to get up and, and ask a question. And it's always me. And uh, I, I think my question was, if, if a recession comes, which it will come, because I think we're all expecting it at that point innovation is usually the first thing that gets thrown out the window because it costs a lot of money and there isn't an immediate return. So the question I'll kind of throw to you, and I'm not sure whether you can answer this or, or not, or whether you want to, is we're, we're hitting a recession now. We're in recession, uh, even though it's not technically a recession because it hasn't had two quarters. We're in recession. We all know it. Everything, things are going to get cut. Is innovation going to get cut? Because you're saying it's really important. But we all know that firms look at it and say, yeah, but I need to do the basics. Do we think that because this scenario is so different, that will change? I don't think it will be cut um, dramatically by the firms that are really serious about innovating, you know, that have been out there looking at different systems, looking at different ways of doing work, looking at you know, larger solutions for the firm to really provide great service to clients. I, I do think there will be firms that will misstep and cut innovation, and it's going to give the general counsel even more of an opportunity to look at alternative legal service providers who are making their money by innovating and should continue that way. So my hope is that they don't cut it um, if they do, I think they'll see the repercussions. So I'm really curious to see the firms that are going to actually invest more in it. And I think that's going to be really kind of a telltale sign of who's going to succeed down the road. Once again, Deborah, I completely agree with you. I, I would say that, first of all, I always get bothered by this question because innovation doesn't have to cost a lot, right? Innovation is about creativity. I'll give you an example. I have a client that does a lot of insurance defense work. And one of her clients said to her, you know, I know that we would not have looked at um, settling these cases before, but given everything that's going on and how the courts are going to be backed up, could we look at maybe this is a good time to settle? Maybe this is a time where everybody just wants to settle this out, get a little money in their pocket, and we, get, we, we clear our dockets and we clear these off of our plate. And so she went about coming up with a strategy and she was able to succeed in this way for several of the matters and realized that, you know what, they actually have a bunch more on their docket that she doesn't handle, they handle internally. She offered to do it for them. 
doing that work did not make up for the lost hours she would have billed had she taken these matters to motions or trial, but it helped the client. It preserved the relationship. It did preserve some portion of the income for her. So that's, that's innovation right there, right? That's sort of thinking beyond what would normally be done. The other thing I would say, Deborah, in, in, in support of your point, the general counsel, when they were talking about the three things they were focused on right now, one was risk management, two was the people process technology review, and three was whether or not they need an innovation officer themselves. So if they're focusing on it, I can't imagine they wouldn't want to see that the law firm partners they're working with, you know, the, the, the partnership writ large, is looking at innovation as well. Right, right. No, I think the GCs are. I know, I know that um, Mark Smolik, who's the GC um, at DHL, their supply chain area, made a comment at one of the LMA meetings, which I thought was really important. He said, you know, his lawyers cost about $175 or $174 an hour. You know, why is he going to go outside and use a lawyer that costs $800 an hour? And so firms really need to think about that and say, well, how do we, how do we improve on this situation for our clients? You know, how can we either use added value or use innovation to cut costs in order to make it work? Yeah, I think, I mean, innovation has to be demonstrable as well. I think, you know, that's, that's the thing. I mean, last year, uh, we ran a series that was entitled Reimagining the Legal Function and Reimagining Law. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, it was, it was very useful then. People were talking about it. I kind of look at it now and think, actually, because so much has changed, it's kind of almost a redundant phrase. It's, right. it's, it now becomes meaningless. And it becomes, it's almost like a buzzword. And especially if you're, if you're effectively doing the same thing, but you're saying that you're reimagining it when actually you're really not. Uh, because what you're doing often... Uh, and and I've, I've, I'm seeing this with, with, a, with a, a couple of places. They're reimagining law for themselves, not for their client, which is, the, you know, the, the biggest problem. Fun enough, we've, we've digressed quite a lot, but I'm going to get us back on track a little bit. Uh, that's my fault, obviously, always. So if, if we just if we can just touch, we've touched briefly on the um, on the partners, but also now associates, you know, associates are. You know, they're, they're in another area where they can get cut quite quickly and quite easily. But associates could have been, you know, now the be- you know, one of the best marketing and business development tools for a firm. I mean, are you, do you see any of that with some of the firms that you've either worked with or that you know about? Because I'm, I'm seeing so many associates that are, I, th- I think are just, for all we talk about, the changes that need to happen. They're just following the same mould and falling into the same old habits and, um, and practices of, of, of partners that have you know, been very successful for many years. Are we seeing any change there? I've not seen it yet, but I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, I have, a, I have a few clients that are very good about training their young associates, but that's just a few. You know, I think there's an opportunity for firms to really take this seriously and to develop programs where they look at associates year one to three and associates year four to five and then maybe their senior associates and train them in skills because at this point they could have a whole crew of people who are out there marketing the firm that they don't have and firms will give you the response when you recommend it that we don't want to train these people because they may leave 
which yeah, they may leave, but they're gonna be more loyal to the firm because you invested in them and trained them. Um, the other question is, you know, we don't want it to be out of control. We don't want them going to our firm's largest client and trying to sell something. Well, that's an issue you have with a partnership as well. So I don't think there are that many reasons why you shouldn't train associates in business development. So um, I, I agree with you, Deborah. I do some training, um, business development training with associates at some firms. And I emphasize with them that whether they want to be a partner at that firm or not, these skills are going to be beneficial to them throughout their entire career. Um, and one of the things I talk to the partners about when we're preparing for these programs is, you know, that fear of you don't want them going to your biggest clients or, you know, are they going to do something wrong? Well, it's a little bit like saying you don't want to have a sex education discussion with your kids because you're afraid it'll make them want to do it. You know, those people who are sexually curious are going to do it anyway. So you may as well teach them the right way to do it <laughs> in the first place and have the honest conversation. I, th I think I, that should be the last time I'm allowed to use any analogies during this conversation. Wow, um, we really have. We've gone. We've gone all over the place here. That's. Uh, that's <laughs> Even if you want to cut that, I completely understand. <laughs> no, I, I think that's. That's. I was. I was just thinking for a second. I got kind of lost in the conversation. I was thinking, this is Yolanda telling me with my daughter what I'm doing? Uh, she's only seven. I think we're. I mean, I know we're in Southwest London, but it's, I think it's a little early. Uh, although actually she has learned some stuff already so clearly um, uh, so I'm told so I, I know I know nothing um, now I'm let's, let's I mean I'm, I think we, we could turn it on to something a bit light and frothier from there so let's, let's look at the legal marketing association which last year I wrote a piece uh, on LinkedIn which generated a something of a mini storm I think it's fair to say in that I wrote this this piece that didn't criticize the LMA annual meeting completely, but it did suggest that it was a missed opportunity. And the LMA is a, a, has been a, a slight missed opportunity because it's focused very much on the internal element of, of marketing and business development, but it hasn't broadened itself out to become more of a, of a pressure group or a, a lobbying arm, I suppose, to, to really demonstrate the value that, that marketing um, can can bring to a firm, and it hasn't got close to the partners. I got I got some stick from from a few people, but a huge amount of support and praise. Do you think that? Well, I suppose I'm I'm not really asking. Am I right? Um, although, because because I know that I always am. Oh come on, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you think that do you think that 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 now the LMA might have to change itself a little bit to to try and make sure that it's linked to partners and getting partners to understand the value of of, of marketing and business development should be one of its key priorities going forward? I, I do believe that that's going to be very important going forward. I know that the LMA is very interested in advocacy and getting people to know what the LMA does and doing the right kinds of PR types of things. But I, I agree, I think getting the lawyers involved, getting the partners involved, getting them to see how they can work with business development is a must. Um, and I'd love to see that happen internationally. You know, it seems like the groups that have done a good job of building constituents from, uh, from a variety of places, I'm thinking of the, the um, IBA because they have marketing folks and they have lawyers and they have consultants 
there's such a rich conversation that goes on when that happens. So I think if the LMA is able to attract more lawyers to be involved, that would be great. But having said that, I think the LMA has done a terrific job at educating um, and really helping to further the profession. But I always think there's opportunity for, for growth and improvement. I think, you know, I agree with you, Deborah. And I think an organization that's trying to serve a lot of purposes, you know, is, is never going to serve every single purpose you know, perfectly, right? I agree. You know, so so one of the things I think about, Deborah, you were actually at one of the Somerville Forum events that my firm put on. David, you were at a different one, but the one Deborah attended, there was an interesting exchange. There, there we had lawyers, we had in-house counsel, we had some marketing and business development professionals in the room, and we had some people who focused on sales, truly on sales. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting exchange with one of the partners from one of the firms who basically said, I don't want anybody going and talking to my clients ever. And really just came out and said it. And a really interesting dialogue took place. And I remember at one point him saying, I feel like I'm getting ganged up on. And so you could kind of see the resistance and then people trying to say, no, we're not trying to gang up on you. We're just trying to talk about this. And I remember having a conversation with him at the next session where he was a little bit more open to having the dialogue. So I think that's an example of the kind of conversations that need to be taking place I think it's hard sometimes to get everybody, the right people in the room, but I agree that to the extent there can be more interaction with the lawyers themselves, I think the advocacy piece will work better. And I also think the other part of it is that for, again, going back to what we said, kind of the first question, for most firms, the marketing and business development function is still very much internally focused. Um, And so to the extent that it is skills and tactics, I think the LMA meets those really, really well. For the areas where we're trying to sort of move up, if you will, move up into strategy and into advocacy, I, I, you know, I, I would agree with you. I think more engagement with the lawyers, I think, would make that a lot easier. And I'm probably being a little bit unfair on the LMA at times because I know it's it's dealing with a lot of different sizes of firms and a lot of different types of firms. Uh, and the firms that we tend to deal with is is one portion of of the LMA. But I think, yeah, the one thing that I'm always amazed at when I when I when I go is how few lawyers there are there. Right. Partly partly it's historical because they're probably not very interested in it and because they've never needed to be or they don't want to be. But I think if we can make a greater effort to bring different skill sets from, you know, a, a law firm isn't the partners, then the associates and then everybody else. It's like any other business. It's a group of professionals that do an equally important job. I think the more we can shift into that that phase, the, the smarter the law firms will be. And some are doing this already. Don't get me wrong. But I think the smarter will be going forward. And they're the ones that I think will win ultimately because they'll be reflecting how their clients look. And we all know the first rule of sales is to reflect your client and to listen to them. OK, so we're sort of getting towards the end, as I realized that I thought this was originally going to be, a, a you know, us, us having a chat for 20 minutes. And I realized we're now in uh, something like our 52nd minute. Pretty predictable, really, I, I suppose, from us. So. So I suppose in some ways to wrap it up, you you were both CMOs in the 2008-2009 uh, financial meltdown, but also you were in situ 
in a, in a very different scenario. You, you mentioned it briefly earlier of, of 9-11. Both, obviously, serious crises for, for law firms and, and for the, the world in general. But this this sort of what's happening now is, is almost a mixture of the two. You've, you've got the you know you've got the economic uncertainty and you've got the shock and awe of what's happened a lot of people um, are, are personally affected by by the pandemic a lot of people have, have, are grieving in, in in so many ways grieving for people they've lost or grieving for a lifestyle they've lost so is there any from from those two experiences is there anything it's just this is the hardest question in, in, of all which is hey in a snappy bullet point can you give us some some ideas of some things that you learned from from both of those experiences that you think would be useful for business development and marketing professionals as they currently sit now i i'm thinking of another expression or quote but um it's when all else fails persistence prevails and my dad used to always tell me that I think, especially from the financial issues in 2008, 2009, one of the things that I saw that was really effective was, you know, really regularly meeting with our chairman at my firm and making sure that we had a plan and we were following up. It was all about the implementation. It was all about making sure that we were close to clients, that we were close to the industries, close to the profession. And it was really all hands on deck. And I think that's the time when leadership really does matter. I think it's not too difficult to lead in a time that everyone's doing well, but you know, leadership really mattered, communications mattered, and follow through and that whole issue of persistence or now people are calling it grit really made a difference. So this is a little off topic, but um, since I don't get a chance to say this much and people don't know this, um, right after 9-11, I was at Cleary and um, we were displaced into, we ended up in five different locations for several months, one of which was Debevoise, where Deborah was working at the time. And Deborah was the first person to reach out to me to A, make sure I was okay, and B, to offer assistance. And I have never forgotten that. And I don't think she did it because she thought someday I would say so <laughs> on, a, on a podcast. She did it because she's a good person. And she's my idol, and I will forever remember that. And I would do anything for her. Um, so I say that both in honor of you, Deborah, but also to remind people to be people and to remind your business development and communications people to remind your lawyers to be people first. And, and know that the people who are receiving that kind of love and attention and care will never forget it. Um, and that is a way that they can be helpful Deborah, you were referring to this earlier, making sure that they're okay, having the business development people reach out to the lawyers and make sure they're okay, mm -hmm. being empathetic and being just a good person, I think is an important component of all of this. Remember who you are, remember how you were raised, remember what's important. That's very kind. I'm gonna try not to cry on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic way, what a fantastic way to, to end it. I was gonna think, how can I snappily, you know, round this up, but you kind of trumped me. <laughs> as 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 you should do because you're good at communication uh it's kind of what you're you've been paid to do for many many years but i suppose you know taking away from this you know it's all about getting close to your client it's about planning and executing it's about strong leadership but most importantly i think it's something that the legal industry forgets very very often 
in in the heat of everything that happens in the way that we'll work which is every it's a people business everybody is human and at the moment everybody's a little bit more human than they were three or four months ago and vulnerability is important as well i think that's maybe if something comes out of all of this it might be that there's a greater understanding that not everybody is superhuman they may be very talented they may be very good but we all have our moments we all have our weaknesses and we all need our networks but we all you know what's what also this has also shown as we're sitting in in a room and you know uh, i'm in a room you're in two different rooms we're all talking on on video but you know, one thing that we, the three of us always enjoy is that we we enjoy catching up and seeing each other in person whenever whenever I'm out, out in New York. And I think that's something that I think people are going to take away from this, which is that whilst remote working is going to be a huge thing, the value of people is so much more important. Uh, and on that wonderful note, I just want to say thank, thank you to both of you for giving up your time, giving us so much information and giving us so many great hints and tips and strategies and ideas and perhaps we'll do this again sometime maybe we'll pick a different topic who knows we'd love it <laughs> be great so obviously you know I, i'm sure that there are people out there listening that are, that are going to want to uh, comment on that and, and obviously they can email any three of us or contact us and comment on us and we can go from there so once again thank you to the three of you and um i hope to see you both again in person sooner than uh 2022 which is what it's looking like at the moment david thank you this has been, been fantastic david it's been a pleasure so a lot to take in there and obviously we hope that information proves useful we had an absolute blast recording it and so i'm pretty sure we're going to be doing that again soon so, of course, if you've got any comments or indeed anything you particularly disagree with that we said, please just drop me a line at david.burgess at legal500.com and let's get that conversation started. Now, please remember to subscribe to the podcast at the usual outlets. And of course, if you've enjoyed the podcast either today or one of our previous podcasts, please do share on social media and tell all your friends. But until I record again, Please keep safe and well.